0: Hello and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio, Tucson's only underground radio station. Today we have with us in the studio Sean Cannon. He's a fabulous Tucson artist, an avid avid vegan, and a bhakti yoga practitioner. We'll be right back with Sean, but first I'd like to talk about trauma. I looked up from the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance says, each of us will react differently to trauma, and there's no right or wrong way to feel. The emotional response each person has is a normal part of the healing process. What you might feel. Though everyone is affected differently at different times, you may experience numbness, inability to experience feelings, feelings of disconnectedness, changing emotions such as shock, denial, guilt, or self-blame, extreme sadness, crying, Mood changes such as irritability, anxiousness, nervousness, pessimism, or indifference. The inability to concentrate, reoccurring memories or bad dreams about the event, social withdrawal, isolation, strained personal relationships, physical symptoms such as unexplained aches and pains, nausea, fatigue, loss of energy, changes in eating habits or sleeping patterns, and increased consumption of alcohol. These feelings, a normal part of grieving and recovery from any trauma, are also symptoms of situational or reactive depression. If these feelings persist for more than two weeks or begin to interfere with your daily living, if you're abusing alcohol or illegal drugs, or if you have have thoughts of death or suicide, they are symptoms of a more serious episode of depression. This is a heightened reaction to an abnormal situation, not a character flaw or sign of personal weakness. Depression is a treatable medical illness. Most people respond to treatment and are able to bring their lives back into balance. The number of traumatic events you have previously experienced may also affect your response. Pay attention to your own symptoms and be ready to seek doctor's help if your symptoms should persist or worsen. If you're not sure if your symptoms are part of your grieving or something more serious, seek the opinion of a doctor or therapist early. Don't wait for your symptoms to become severe. The healthiest things you can do for yourself and your loved ones are... Be alert to changes in your feelings and moods. Allow yourself time to heal and feel free to seek appropriate assistance. We know from a variety of studies that the chemistry in the brain changes In response to trauma, seeking assistance from a healthcare professional after experienced trauma is a reasonable response to a medical issue. The after effects of traumatic experience are not something you can pull yourself out of or toughen up enough to snap out of it. The best response to trauma-alloyed depression often involves three things, medical intervention, therapeutic assistance, and peer support. So I'm bringing up trauma because this weekend my partner is having a three-day conference about healing, and one of the things that he did yesterday that I participated in was a trauma-releasing exercises with Dr. David Burselli. He was actually on the show a few weeks ago, and he talked about his depression after having been in all these traumatic you know, situations in Sudan where like, there's air bombing and really kind of terrifying stuff that he went through. And he got home and he kind of wasn't all right. And he came up with these because he saw other people shaking after traumatic effects. Some people shook, some people didn't. And in our culture and in these days and times, humans, we like to control things, right? So to shake uncontrollably is uncomfortable (laughs) on an intellectual level, an emotional level. But physically, he asked the question, like, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we're supposed to do that. Maybe there's something helpful in that response. And so he developed a series of exercises that let your body tremble, let your body shake as it would after a traumatic event if you let yourself. Rather than like in our medical profession, sometimes they stop people from trembling after a traumatic event. And it's actually, they've done more and more research on it. It's, It's really healing because there's like different parts of the brain and there's the part of the brain that is kind of your lizard brain, right, that is fight or flight it's like, look, danger, danger, danger. And there's all these responses that you do. So I was thinking, well, I didn't have any trauma. I mean, I didn't go to war. I didn't have any really traumatic thing happen to me. But he explained it could be your parents screaming all the time. You could actually put your body into kind of a frozen physical state of anxiety and tension that can lead you into a state of actually trauma. And it could also be something like I was thinking about. I was 16 years old. This was in the 80s. I was wearing those cute little flats that are completely slippery on the bottom. And I was coming down the stairs, and my feet slipped, and I went all the way to the bottom of the stairs. And I was locked. Like, my whole body was locked into place. And I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. And then finally, right? Right? But I had to go to school. So I just got up and was a little shaky, but I just stopped, got up and ran off to school and did that, you know, went back to my regular life and told people, hey, I fell down the stairs this morning and didn't do anything more than that. Well, your your body holds on to that stuff. It it needs to process it in a physical way, not just in, you know, if you go through emotional traumas, you can have a physical response that won't even allow you to get to the emotions. You're stuck. You're locked into this. When you talk about the event again, your body, if you ever, ever heard somebody tell a story of something terrible that happened to them, and you could see their body tightening up and locking up. And sometimes they even tremble a little bit when they're doing it. That is your body holding on to that memory. You still have it in your physicality. You still feel it. So I've been thinking a lot about trauma in relationship to my depression, because that's one of the things that comes out of trauma. You get these, you know, those, those symptoms I just talked about, like numbness inability to concentrate things like that and he said when you're in that state your cortex is just not very functional you might do the things you need to do but you're not processing anything and you're 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 stuck physically into this fight or flight and i th- and it, it it can happen in any traumatic event it could be something simple like falling down the stairs and it could also be something emotional like having a parent die and i was thinking about after my dad died I was put in the position of being the executor. So in this like panicky state, he was saying, you know, when somebody goes through death, everybody comes around them and helps them. And, you know, you might drive them somewhere. You might cook them some meals and help them out. When I went through my father's death, I actually don't remember being taken care of and being in a position of like, I've got to sell my dad's house. I've got to do all this practical stuff that requires you to go up into the cortex part of your brain and, you know, stop, stop being emotional and just get the stuff done. And it's, I, I think that that was damaging, maybe, not have, being able to grieve and fall apart and having to do really practical stuff. And I think that happens to lots of people. Someone you love dies. And the next thing, you get a call from the lawyer. And it's like, well, you have to fill out these 25 forms and you need to make these phone calls and otherwise you'll lose the house. (laughs) So anyway, I've been thinking about trauma and it's in the fact that stuck in my body and I did the exercises yesterday and today, you know what, my neck doesn't hurt. For the first time in a really, 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 really long time, probably since my dad died. <laughs> so they're simple exercises, and they let your body tremble like it would have in a traumatic event if you'd allowed yourself to. So for anybody who's suffering from trauma, look into some ways that you can physically heal from that. See if there's – and maybe look up Dr. Braselli. I mean, I, I find what he's doing amazing because he just wants to bring – to the he's like i'd like to bring the self-help world to the third world that they could do some simple exercises with their kids to get them through a traumatic event and he goes all around the world doing that and he's been doing a lot of work now with veterans and he showed us some really interesting videos on it and by trembling and physically allowing their bodies to shake these are big tough guys right And they like exercises i could do that <laughs> <laughs> and then they feel better I think we all go through trauma at some point or other in our lives. We all have moments when things just go wrong or you fall off a ladder. And to allow ourselves, I hope we could all allow ourselves to do the physical release that allows for some of the emotional and psychic relief. Anyway, love to you all out there in radio land. So today we have with us in the studio, Sean Cannon. He's a Tucson artist, fabulous artist, I must say, an avid vegan and bhakti yoga practitioner. Hello, Sean, and welcome to The Depression Session.
1: Thank you for having me, Laura.
0: Thanks so much for coming into the studio. So tell us what's going on with you these days. What's new for you?
1: Well, <laughs> as I always say, being an artist is a life of adventure. <laughs> <laughs> you you never know, well, I never know, you know what I'm going to paint, who I'm going to paint for. So it's always unraveling. And currently, I am uh, making some portraits for a client up in Sedona. So oh, cool. And it's going really well. I make a lot of mistakes in my art making, and I'm really grateful for those mistakes because then I can resolve the piece.
0: Yeah, and it's probably more interesting. I call them happy and mistakes.
1: Happy <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> Yeah.
0: I always tell my students, allow yourself the joy of making a mistake because mm. you'll, if you always do what you're good at, you'll mm. always be solidly mediocre. <laughs> right. And if you do something you're not sure of and you mess it up completely, you will make terrible, terrible artwork, but you will also make genius work because you allowed mm. yourself the freedom to do something different.
1: Exactly. And, you know, it's curious about that is that moving from a place of, uh, not critiquing your expression and not being reliant upon someone else giving you a feedback on your art moving from a place of that visceral that that's where it is for me currently i've had to shed a lot of layers in my in my art career and uh it's exciting
0: I think art's all about letting go of your ego, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although we're all known for being egotists. Which <laughs> is
1: curious because of my yoga that I that you kindly mentioned that I do. That's what actually what it's all about, but maybe I'll get to that a little bit later.
0: Well, on that note, Sean, tell us the story of your depression.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it uh, really began inside my mother's womb, I guess you could say. But when I was around 10 or 11 years old, my mother... Was my mom was the kind of person that she always talked about the past? They were it was her life. I I don't think she was capable of letting go of her past. And every day, my uh, there would be some conversation about events that had happened or things like this. And so, my mother actually, uh, at a very tender age of I think ten or eleven had mentioned that um my father who was absent i was raised with my mother and my brothers were raised with my dad she decided to tell me that um my father was the one who had prevented her going through an abortion with me so it was really difficult to swallow that you know i have an absentee father and yet this man is the reason why i'm here and I have to say, from a very early age, I became incredibly existential in as much of a a young boy trying to grasp the idea that, well, A, I shouldn't be here, but B, I am here. (laughs) You know, (laughs) clearly great spirit brought me through for a reason. And so every single day of my life as a child, I was in awe of everything. It felt as if I was just an observer and not necessarily a participant because I was so caught up. I would even wager maybe obsessed with death in a very non-gothic way. Uh, it was always in the back of my mind that it was always hammered into my consciousness that, wow, you know, I might not have been here. And there are stories, um, you know, that I'll sieve, but one particular story, I remembered walking in the beach in Bridlington in this um, British town that I, um, where I grew up with my mother. And I had this realization that, oh, this is my last life here. And I didn't understand the context. I didn't know. I was too young to understand reincarnation. It was just a moment of um, aha moment. that Oh, this is my last life here. And so even though I was constantly surviving the trauma of... My family was really broken up. Um, It was just, like I was saying, just my mother and myself. I was always surviving the idea that that death was imminent. I thought as a young person. Boy, that um, I was—I had ailments, or that that I didn't have much time here. It was—I was always in a race against time, and I never properly understood it until my adult years. And leading up to um, puberty, um, <laughs> which you know, um, thank God it's a one-time deal—you <laughs> um, don't have to uh, revisit that. But I knew that I was incredibly different not in a special oh you know hashtag so 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 unique way but i was different in as much as i didn't fit in um i was like no one around me i synthesized life in a completely different way i wasn't interested in clicks i was not interested in being popular i could have been more popular but i just wasn't interested there was something deeper within me that I didn't realize I was actually yearning for it. And I don't think I was specifically in a catering environment that could bring forth that. So, my, my teenage years, I was constantly holding space for my mother still. She left her body in 2007. But, uh, you know, during high school, I, again, my mother was always living in the past. And so I never had a moment of mental freedom. I was always encased in holding space for my mother's suffering, which she suffered enormously. But we were very good. We had a lot, you know, and very grateful for that. But the compensation for that came with um, having to hold space for my mother, my mother's depression, if you will. And I, I realized that in holding space for her that I had such a fragility to my own being. And I was craving some kind of deeper knowing. I survived high school (laughs) and uh, fled, literally fled um, to college in Flagstaff. I really, I did not survive my own... Listen, some of the conversations that I had with myself, like, you're not worthy, you shouldn't be here, you're not good enough. A lot of really, I mean, I saw Passion of the Christ. Well, I really crucified myself in in many sections of my life. And I realized that um, in the absence of of, um, a, a father role model, I didn't have the best relationships with my brothers. I realized that I didn't feel worthy to be here in this material world. And yet at the same time, I was also craving a deeper profound knowledge. And that came subsequent years later. The depression that I would experience on a day-to-day basis was, no, I I would want to be around people. It was like such a paradox. I would want to be around people and at the same time flee from everyone because I could see my reflection in the faces of other people. There was a big absence. There was a void. There was an unfulfilled happiness that um, I actually envied with other people my age. I envied that they had a normal Rockwell, would you say, Norman Rockwell existence, and at the same time, I could retreat into my own space and delight in fantasy and imagination in the phantasmagoria of really just trying to forget my suffering, to forget the stories that I would tell myself and to forget the conversation that I was hammering with myself on a day-to-day basis of feeling unworthy and all these things. And cut a long story short, when my mother left her body in two thousand and seven, I realized that that was a nexus. Um, that was a a point in my life where the stories were no longer. They weren't manifesting as predictably as they used to be in my mind. Like the, the the guilt, the regret of certain things of of my teenage years. The guilt of um, thinking, well, maybe my parents separated because. I came forth, and all these stories, you know, all these endless stories that go on forever. And when my mom died, that was also the end, end of my of my depression, I guess you could say, and the beginning of a new understanding, a much deeper understanding that came um, when I graduated from Flagstaff and I moved down to Tucson. The first thing I ever did was become vegetarian. I don't know why I did. I just randomly decided, oh... No meat for me. And I realized that there was a connection between who I was as a boy developing and that yearning I had as a boy to understand why I was here. Who is God? Is there a God? Uh, you know, what is this whole... What does this mean? You know, what is what is consciousness? And all these really deep questions, which I have no problem with. I have no problem really acknowledging these questions. Um, I don't think I had a choice, basically. Later on, I... I found this wonderful, little humble little temple in Tucson. And I wasn't a religious person at all. I was not interested in in, in conventional orthodox religion because there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear-based. I found this yoga. It's called actually Krishna Consciousness. And this yoga suggests that there was never a time that we did not exist, and there will never be a time in the future we'll cease to exist. So basically, it was acknowledging consciousness, and it acknowledged, well, what is suffering? Why are we suffering? Even on a much deeper level that Buddhism necessarily can't answer because there's a lot of ambiguity to Buddhism. And in this yoga of Krishna consciousness, I realized that everything we experience in life cannot be taken personally. When we take things personally, it's um, it's the absence of, of of seeing the bigger picture, I guess, if you will, In this yoga, I realized that we are all connected on a spiritual platform that we can't see with our material eyes. And yet, at the same time, it is the root cause of our existence. Spirit moves matter, I guess, if you will. And my obsession with death ended because I realized that, you know, I am connected to all living entities. Again, don't take pain personally. Acknowledge pain. Don't be afraid of pain but when you arrive at a place of loving that one who is in pain and being honest in finding a way out of pain that is where the fantasy where the love the escape route if you will exists and giving yourself that space to be less mental and be more heart heart centered with suffering was one of the greatest Choices that I made, and ten years later, I'm still digging deep into the mysteries of life and in Bhakti Yoga. Hopefully, connecting to that supreme interface that all living entities exist with.
0: Thank you, Sean. Yeah, I I find I was thinking about when you were talking about being a teenager and like how horrible that time is for well, pretty much everybody who experiences it, and. I, it gave me, it gave me just a little thought of like that there, there are those cool kids, right? You know, there's mm. like the popular kids that, you know, it's oh. like everything goes great <laughs> for them and they have, they're, they're like, yay, happy, yeah. play, fun. And, and there are people who really fondly remember their, their teen years, which always shocks me, but that I wonder how many of those people were also suffering, but just didn't, didn't let you see it. Mm. So that you, you would like them, that mm. you would, you know, that that's part of being popular. Like, I'm not hurt. I never hurt. I'm mm. in great, I, everything's good here. What's wrong with you? Mm. you know?
1: It's almost as, as if there's a taboo, you know, about if I if I express myself honestly, then I won't be liked like you're saying or I, there'll be no appeal to me.
0: Right. And it goes back to that thing of taking things personally, mm. that if you take pain personally, then it's your fault. Mm-hmm and if it's your fault then you should hide it because people will judge you because it's your fault because you suffer because you have a hard time because you fell down a ladder or whatever mm. <laughs> you know that that we take it, there's some kind of ego involved in that that we say well i how many people feel responsible for their parents' divorce right like how many people it's like the most common thing to tell kids it's not your fault but they don't feel like it's not their fault mm. Because we don't separate ourselves from pain and say, well, that's just something that happens in life. Usually, hopefully later in life, you look at it and you say, that clearly wasn't. You start to really feel like, that was not my fault.
1: (laughs) One of the greatest lessons I had last year was, love that one who is in pain. Mm. It's the only frequency to hold. Love that one who is in pain. And that that you resist persists. So don't resist pain. Let it in. See it as your teacher Embrace it. And ultimately, it's a there's a great gift hidden.
0: Yeah. Dan had said in, in his interview on the depression session that depression is not separate from you. It mm. is you. Mm. And if it is you, then hating it and being mad at it and wishing it won't go away isn't all that helpful, actually. Sure. And that looking at it as a sort of, we we're, we're all made up of, of all sorts of parts, like pain as well as one of the things I'm learning on this show is that depression is totally normal. People experience it. And the worst thing you can do is judge yourself for it. Mm-hmm. And for to me, yeah, and I've been like kind of leaning into it and letting it be and not judging it, not judging myself, which of course is hard to do. It's like saying I'm not responsible for my parents, adult. It's you know, for my parents. I keep saying adult, My for my parents being adults, <laughs> I'm not We're responsible for that for. either. <laughs> i'm not responsible for my parents divorce like saying that is just as strong as saying i'm not responsible for my depression it's just there it's just a thing it's part of me it's totally fine and i've been actually doing this experience lately i think i've told you about this where i when i experience a physical pain in my body i actually invite it in and kind of try to figure out where it is like where where is the pain in my ankle where does it actually exist? Kind of try to actually feel it, and in doing that, I can't find it, mm. and it kind of goes away.
1: Mm.
0: It's strange. It's like by by saying, "Oh hi," you know, "Hello, pain. There you are. Oh, I see, you're down here. Oh, wait, I can't even find you."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that would you resist? That would you resist? Persist? Yeah, right. And when you just just accept it. It's not to say, you know, if you had some sort of, you know, your limb was cut off. I mean, that might not work. You're going to have trauma and maybe you should shake a while. <laughs>
1: sure. You know, it's interesting. Water flows in the path of least resistance. And likewise, who the supreme person who I call Krishna, whoever, there's a billion names to that supreme one. That essence is within you. That essence is what connects us to everyone and every living thing. So there is no separation there is no absence just the illusion of it
0: yeah i like that for me i feel that 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 feeling of connectedness whatever it is that you feel connected to but connected to something outside of yourself is for me the best remedy so thank you so much for being on the show i really appreciate it
1: thank you for having me you're
0: welcome I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on downtown Radio Tucson with music by Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.